0: All right, let's jump in together. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get that out. We're going to be in the book of Numbers this morning, book of Numbers. And if you have, you, know, you can use your phone uh, as well. You can go ahead and get that ready to read, Numbers chapter 6. Uh, but this week and next week, uh, we are going to wrap up this sermon series we've been in all fall called My Blank Home. And what we've been doing is talking about various topics and struggles that might be coming up in our homes during this pandemic season, uh, while we're spending a lot of time in our homes. So we've got this week and next week, and then the week after that is November 29th, and uh, that starts Advent. Isn't that crazy? We're going to start Advent in two weeks. Um, and that's what we'll do. But here's the thing: as we've been wrapping up this uh, series, I, I don't know about you, but I know for me, one of the things I've been reflecting on this week, especially, just because uh, in this particular week, I know we're seeing some rise in COVID cases and more restrictions and things like that. I've just been reflecting on the fact that, man, this this season for me has been difficult. It's been hard. I think it's been harder on me than maybe I want to admit or I've allowed myself to realize. I feel like I think it's been hard on my family. It's been hard on my kids. You know, it's been hard as a, as a pastor to figure out, okay, how do we lead a church in the middle of all of this? We're going to kill this, aren't we? It's a good idea. Check, check, check. Ooh, hello. Thank you. We'll see if that's better. Um... Let me take this off my face then. Anyway, thank you. But anyway, as I've been talking to a lot of people in our church, uh, I'm I'm realizing a lot of people are feeling that right now. It's it's just been hard. It's been difficult. And so I have one more topic that I want us to address in this series. And then next week, we're going to close the series out by um, talking about a common denominator that we've been seeing in the scripture for every single one of these topics. But this morning, the topic that I want to talk about is I I want to talk to the parents. I'm a parent. Uh, I know many people here are parents. If you aren't A parent, don't tune me out. If you're online and you're not a parent, don't switch over to something else. Hang in there with us because actually, what we're going to be talking about this morning pertains to all relationships. But I do want to specifically encourage the parents this morning because if you're a parent, I know COVID has been difficult. I know it's been difficult on your kids, the the isolation. I know it's been hard on behavior. I know it's been hard on your own soul and your need for adult friendships and conversation. I know there's been a lot to juggle with work and a lot to juggle when it comes to virtual school or homeschool and all of it. Some of you have had kids. A lot of you have had kids during this time, and I haven't been able to hold them, and that upsets me. So I don't know about each of you specifically, but I know that in my house, and I know from talking to many of you, there is this general feeling, if you're a parent, that I am failing this season. I know that my wife and I have felt that, and I have heard from some of you that you feel that. I'm failing this season. I'm, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I can't juggle all of the things that I need to do accurately, that I'm, I'm failing my kids, like I'm considering converting my kids' college fund to a future counseling fund for this season. And you know what, I'll admit to you that uh, as a pastor, I get the opportunity to counsel a lot of people, I get the opportunity to sit with people and hear their struggles and hear what's going on in their lives, and I hear... So many struggles from people and it gets traced back to their childhood. And a lot of times it gets traced back to their parents. And that terrifies me because I want nothing more than my children to leave my home when they grow older, healthy and strong and loved and not held back in any way because of me. And I know many of you parents have that same fear. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I just want us to go to the scriptures together, and here's what I want to show you. I want to show you this morning the single greatest gift you can give your kids. The single greatest gift you can give your kids. And as you might guess, the single greatest gift that you can give your kids, it's not a great education. That's great, but that's not the single greatest gift. It's not Comforts that they can enjoy. It's not a great home. It's not perfect nutrition. It's not exposing them to a bunch of different things sports and activities and experiences. It's not you being super fun or super crafty or super creative, always being able to come up with cool things to do. It's not even protecting them from the hard situations that they will face in this world. The single greatest gift that we can give our kids is the same single greatest gift that God has given us as our Father in heaven. And to discover what that is, that's why I want us to go to Numbers chapter 6. And again, let me just say as we jump into this, parents, hang uh, or if you're not a parent, rather, hang with me in this. Because what we're going to be talking about, and this is kind of the secret of the whole thing, is that this single greatest gift we can give our kids, it's actually the single greatest gift you can give anyone you're in relationship with. So if you're married, this is the single greatest gift you can give your spouse. If you have employees at work, this is the single greatest gift you can give them. If your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, extended family, it all is relevant. It hits all of us. Alright, so open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 6. What we're going to read here is what is called the High Priestly Blessing. Uh, This is the blessing that God says He is going to give His people as a part of the covenant that he has made with his people. So God is basically saying, if you want to know what it means to be blessed by me, like what the height of blessing is from me as your God, this is it. This high priestly blessing is it. This is the single greatest gift that God gives his children. Let's, let's read it. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 26. It says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying... Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, here's the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Here is the single greatest gift that God gives any of his children, that God could give you specifically. All right, that's this. The Hebrew literally says here that it is God lifting up his countenance to you. It says in the Hebrew, lift up his face to you, that he would notice you. The God who created everything would notice you, put his attention, his gaze, his thoughts, His presence on you. And not you in the plural. This does not read, God be gracious to y'all. It says to you. It's in the singular. And it says that his face, as it's specifically and individually focused on you, it says it would shine. That his face would shine upon you. In other words, that when God looks at you and notices you, put his attention on you, his face lights up. Literally, he smiles. And you might think, that's it? He smiles at me? That's the single greatest blessing that God could give me is he look at me and smile? Man, there's a lot of things I would love to get from God, but, but a smile... You know, there was a, uh, a study done back in the 1970s. Many of you are probably familiar with it. It's pretty popular um, to read about it today. But this was an experiment done by psychologists called the Still Face Experiment. And you can go watch this on YouTube if you want. But there was a, an experiment that basically showed how much we are wired. We're created as humans to need direct attention and affection from others, especially our parents. The experiment filmed a mom interacting with her one-year-old child, and she was playing with the child, smiling at the child, laughing at the child, had a pleasant tone of voice, and obviously the child responds to the mom, is, is smiling back, is laughing, is excited. You can tell the child is comfortable And then the mother is instructed in the experiment to make her face go still, completely emotionless for two minutes so they could see how the child would react. They wanted to see how the baby would cope with this change of emotion, the disconnection. And so at first the baby smiles and and laughs and waves its hands, trying to get the mom to respond, but that doesn't work. The baby then tries to be silly to see if it can make the mom laugh or maybe impress the mom. Then the baby begins to point to things to see if the mom will notice what the baby's pointing at. And then over time, the baby gets uncomfortable, is moving around, doesn't like the position it's in. It's a stressful situation all the way to the point where the baby starts to scream and cry until the mom re- connects with the child. And the still face experiment, which it was replicated over and over again, proved the need in children to have parents who would give them focused, positive attention. This isn't random. This is by God's design. God designed us to operate on relationship with others. He declares at creation, it is not good for man to be alone. So, so ever since we were kids, this is all of us, we have been working hard to get people, to get our parents, to get our siblings, to get our teachers, our coaches, our neighbors, our friends, whomever we could to notice us and smile, to notice us and Approve of us, to express their pleasure at who we are and what we're doing. We have been wired by God to desire and need this kind of positive affirmation from others. I mean, why do you think so many of us, we work so hard and we worry so much about what other people think about us? Because the greatest need of our souls is for others to see us, to know us, and to smile and approve of us. And the greatest fear of our souls is that there would be people who would see us, know us, and leave Which is why we often project a false image of who we are to other people. Because we're so frightened. If I'm really known, then people will leave. So get this. The Bible tells us that the God of all of creation sees us and he knows us better than we know us. It says that he knows our thoughts before we think them. He, he, he knows what we're going to say before we say it. He knows the deep desires and motivations of our heart for everything that we do. He knows every sin that we have kept hidden. He knows every fantasy that has d- d- been dwelled upon in our minds. He witnessed everything that we thought we were doing in secret. And the greatest blessing that God has given us is that he has all that knowledge about us, and he doesn't leave. Rather, he smiles in approval and pleasure at who we are. When you picture God, I want you to to answer yourself honestly on this. When you picture God, how do you picture his attitude towards you? What do you imagine? What is the facial expression on God's face? Is it a God who is frustrated at you because of your failures or annoyed at you because you can't get it together? Is it a God who is just totally unimpressed and indifferent towards you because there are so many other people doing this Christian thing way better and you're just a disappointment? What attitude do you picture in your head? Because if you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ, then this blessing from God is yours. And when God sees you, he does not get annoyed, he does not get frustrated, his face doesn't fall in disappointment. No, the blessing is his face lights up and he smiles in approval. Because in you, he takes pleasure. Doesn't matter what happened this week. It doesn't matter what happened in your past. Your doubts don't change this. The junk in your heart, the thoughts, the fantasies, the motivations in your heart, they don't change this. If you belong to Jesus, then Jesus has accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished through his life, his death, and his resurrection for God to take deep and eternal pleasure in you. He will never leave. All right, this is the kind of soul level security that you have from your Father in heaven. And every single one of us here longs for that kind of security in our souls, that I am seen, I am known, and God smiles. And what you need to know about this gift that God has given us in Christ what you need to know about it is that we did absolutely nothing to get it. It's solely by his grace, unmerited. At He at, at, at expense to himself, made a way where he could give us his undistracted pleasure and presence. God did that on his own without us. Like we didn't initiate it, we didn't earn it. We didn't get enough gold stars for, us, for God to give that to us. God just simply, out of his goodness, has freely offered us this gift. The greatest gift God could give us is that he sees us and he smiles at us. And parents, this is the greatest gift that you can give your children. Your undistracted Pleasure and presence that your kids would see you focused in on them and smile. There is nothing more that your kids crave from you than that. There is nothing more that their little souls need from you than that. Just as much as we crave it from others and from God Himself are. Children need us to lift our faces to them and smile. And so I want to pivot into talking about, okay, how do we do that as parents? We're going to go there. But before we do that, I'm going to invite the band to come back up just for a second. I, I would like for us to pause right here before we move from This glorious truth into the practical and how we can begin to do this for our kids because I just want us to sit in the goodness of who God is and this blessing that He has given us. So I want us to sing about it, to pause and sing. Let's not move too quickly. And as we sing this song, as we sit in it for just a minute, let it, let our hearts dwell on, meditate on this truth for just a few minutes. There's two different groups of people I just want to encourage real quick. To those of you this morning who are weighed down in guilt, in shame over something in your life, or maybe it's just over who you are. Maybe you're someone who's just ashamed of who you are for whatever reason. When you imagine God if you're one of those people who imagines an annoyed, disappointed, frustrated, unimpressed father shaking his head at you, as we sing this song together right now this morning, what I'm praying for you is that that image would just be wiped away. That he and his goodness to you, and God, I pray for this right now, would just remove that image, because it's a lie and it would be replaced with a view of your father in heaven who is smiling at you because of Christ and because he loves you and that he has given you this blessing and it's yours and to those of you who are here this morning and maybe you haven't trusted in Christ and maybe you're still figuring out what you believe about Jesus, I just want you to know that God is not afraid of or ashamed of you in your past and whatever has gone on in your life, no matter what has happened. And this morning, God will smile upon you if you would just receive this grace and his blessing that he is offering to you in Christ. You can place your trust right now in Christ to forgive your sins. And this blessing is yours and God is extending it to you. So let's just take a moment. Let's sing this song right now. Let's meditate on this truth. Then we'll move on in a few minutes. But wherever you're at, let's praise God for this blessing that he has given us.
1: rest of this blessing and this prayer for God's people for their children so we sing this over you church may his favor be upon you for a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children the children his favor be upon you for a thousand generations in your family and the children and the children his favor be upon you and a thousand i
0: for you, the greatest gift and blessing that God could give us. And I'm just praying, being encouraged in that this morning, singing that this morning was restorative to your soul. But I also want us to consider the fact this morning that this is the greatest gift that we as parents can give our kids. It's not things It's not a great shot at a great future or the education. Those are all good things and good gifts to give our kids. A nice house to live in or great experiences or protection from hard things. It's not that. No, it's your undistracted pleasure and presence for your kids. That our kids would be seen by us, known by us, and that we would take deep pleasure in them that our kids get large quantities of time where our gaze is upon them. We're engaged, listening with them, playing with them, not distracted by anything else. And this morning, I I wanna offer two things that we as parents need to prioritize in our life if we're going to give our kids this gift. And remember... I'm speaking specifically to parents, but this pertains to all relationships. So this is true of your marriage and and any other relationship you're in. Two things, though, that we need to prioritize if we're going to give this gift. All right, so I'm going to do these quickly. Number one is this. As parents, if we are going to give our kids our undistracted pleasure, and presence, then we must prioritize our personal, spiritual, and emotional health. What do I mean by that? Well, that's a pretty complex topic, to be honest with you. So I'm going to try to sim- simplify it down a little bit for us, just for our purposes. But let me, let me define what I mean by spiritual and emotional health. And I want to define it by using the word awareness. Awareness. An emotionally healthy person is someone who is aware of what is going on inside of themselves emotionally. And they're not seeking to suppress or ignore what is going on, but they're dealing with it in a healthy way. It's an emotionally healthy person. Awareness. Same thing with spiritually, a spiritually healthy person. This is someone who is aware of God and his presence, and his word, and who he is at all times as they move about life. Awareness. And the reason why this is so important when it comes to being able to give our kids our undistracted pleasure and presence is because when we are emotionally and spiritually unhealthy, when we lack awareness of what is going on inside of us in those areas, we actually become physically unable to give our kids undistracted pleasure and presence. Physically unable to do that. Because here's what happens. Maybe we've got something inside. Maybe we have some deep hurt or trauma or whatever it is from from our childhood. It's inside of us. Or maybe we've got bitterness towards our boss at work deep inside of us or frustration at COVID-19 and everything it's doing or stress and frustration from this last election cycle or loneliness and depression from all of the isolation or maybe I'm harboring anger at my spouse or, or whatever it is. There's a number of things that we could be feeling and think of that emotion as a black hole inside of you that is sucking up any ability that you would have to give your kids or others undistracted pleasure and presence. And an emotionally unhealthy person will, instead of being aware of that emotion inside of them and seeking to deal with it in a healthy way, will actually ignore it and try to suppress it and pretend it's not there because I don't wanna deal with that. And so that black hole remains and it impacts your relationship. And so when this is going on, listen, you're gonna be more distant and more easily annoyed. You're gonna have less patience with the fact that, that our kids are still growing up emotionally and learning how to deal with life and big feelings and all of those things. We're gonna, we're gonna have a hard time with that. We're gonna give them less of our time. We're gonna be distracted deep inside of us. All the while, God is there, totally aware of what's going on with you, still smiling upon you. And he's saying, listen, cast this stuff on me. Let's be aware of it. Let's deal with it. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having these emotions inside of us. It is completely normal. I believe that Jesus, when he lived here, he dealt with a number of those things. This is why Jesus often went away to be with the Father alone all of the time. Listen, Jesus lived in a broken world, and so do you, so do I. Jesus put on human flesh. We are humans. And so he experienced all of these things that we experience, Hebrews tells us. And I believe that in order for Jesus to be in a place to be able to fulfill his ministry, to fulfill all righteousness, to do the things and to love people in the way that he did, he had to go away and be alone with the Father. He prioritized this. So how do you do that? How do you prioritize your emotional and spiritual health? Well, I, I could preach for hours on that, so I'm, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, but let me give you two, two quick things that you can implement right now. Number one, let's follow Jesus. And we need to get alone with the Father every single day. Get alone with the Father every single day. If Jesus needed it, oh my goodness, we do. Build it into your schedule. This is not a, hey, make sure you do your quiet time to check off that box so that God continues to smile at you. It's not that. This is a, God wants to be with us and he wants to minister to your soul. He wants you to cast your anxieties on him. He wants you to go to his word and be encouraged. And so this is something we... For the sake of our own souls, but also for our kids. We have to build this into our schedule. If you don't have time to do this every day, cancel stuff. Say no to stuff. Reprioritize your life to get alone with the Father so you can be spiritually and emotionally healthy. It needs to include God's word. It needs to include seeking to be aware of what's going on inside of you. Maybe that's journaling. Maybe that's going for a walk and just praying to the Father. But it's time that our souls need. And again, I'll say it again. If Jesus needed it, then we got no excuse, y'all. We just don't. Our souls need to be alone with the Father. So let me just say this. Husbands, make this happen for your wives. Make it happen. Stay home a little bit later so they can do this. Figure out the schedule. Wives, make this happen for your husbands. Fight for each other to be able to get this time with the Father because it's how we love our kids. Number two, so let's get along with the Father every day. Number two, have people in your life who have permission to draw you out emotionally. People who love you and they're going to ask you hard questions and challenge you and not be okay with you saying you're fine. People who won't allow you to suppress stuff but will make you talk about what's going on inside of you. People who know your facial expressions and when you're lying to them. Every single one of us needs this. Every one of us. There's not one of us who is strong enough to live life alone. It could be a pastor. It could be a friend. A counselor. A therapist. We all need people to draw us out emotionally. All right? Listen, your pastor sees a therapist weekly. It's not weird. It's not for the messed up people. It's for everyone, all right? So find someone that's gonna draw you out emotionally. Get alone with God every day and find someone who will do this for you emotionally. Do this for someone else, someone who's not gonna let you stuff everything and go talk to them once a month. Put this practice into place. I mean, this is something that God built us to need. So I could say a million other things about Ways that we could prioritize our spiritual and emotional health. But these are two things that is easy for us. In in, in church, it should be easy in the church to implement these things. And I think if we do, our ability to give our kids our undistracted pleasure and presence would skyrocket. Prioritizing our spiritual and emotional health. Here's number two. As parents, if we are going to give our kids our undistracted pleasure and presence then we also must prioritize our personal repentance. When we become spiritually and emotionally healthy, we are going to grow in our awareness. And that will include awareness of our own sin and the ways in which we sin against our kids. And we need to humbly repent of those things in front of our kids. Right? They should see us, witness us, watch us humbly acknowledge our own sin and seek to change. As parents, unfortunately, we are going to sin against our kids. And when we do, we need to go to our kids, confess that sin, acknowledge that was not okay. Don't give any excuse. Don't blame any other person and seek their forgiveness. It's what we need to do as parents. Now, listen, when we repent in front of our kids like that, and we go to our kids and we say, listen, I sinned against you in this way. Man, I've had this conversation with my kids so many times. Hey, when daddy said those things, when he said that with a harsh and loud voice, that was mean. And it was not okay for daddy to say that. And there's no excuse and I'm sorry, and I need your forgiveness. When we go to our kids and we do that, and we repent in front of them, there are so many things that are happening in your house. Let me just give you three things that occur in that moment. First, we're teaching our kids that it's normal and okay to be humble and to trust the cross of Jesus Christ for forgiveness. When we don't repent in front of our kids, we teach them that it's better not to acknowledge when you do something wrong that the gospel isn't sufficient to make it better and that it's better to be prideful and stuff that in and pretend that you never do anything wrong. That's what we teach our kids when we refuse to acknowledge, when we sin against them. When we repent in front of our kids, we teach them how to repent. The second thing that's occurring in that is when we repent in front of our kids, we build a culture of graciousness in our house when we demonstrate our own need for grace. We give our kids an opportunity to be gracious to us and we grow in being gracious to our kids. And when you build a culture of grace in your house, when you have a gracious home, giving each other undistracted pleasure and presence is no longer dependent on performance, It's not something that's been earned. It's not something that can be lost. We give our kids a safe place where they will be known and they will be seen and loved. They know we won't leave and they know it has nothing to do with their behavior and their performance. The third thing that happens is when we repent in front of our kids, we are training our kids to be spiritually and emotionally healthy. We're teaching our kids not to be ashamed of the things that they feel and that it's safe for them to express and ask for help. Two things we can do, starting today, if we wanna give our kids the single greatest gift we could ever give them. Prioritize your spiritual and emotional health and make a practice of repenting in front of your kids. And just remember, God did what he needed to do at expense to himself, uninitiated by us, but solely initiated by his love for us. He did everything that he needed to do for him to give us his undistracted pleasure and presence. And so parents, there is no greater act of love than prioritizing these things in your life. Doing the hard work, Reworking the schedule, making those sacrifices, knowing that it will cost you, exposing the depths of your soul, humbly repenting in front of our kids, right? Don't allow your kids to grow up in a home where the norm is to stuff emotions, to project false images, and to view repentance as weakness. You are the example They're going to watch you, and they're going to see, does this person trust the gospel that they proclaim? In Christ, God has given you his undistracted pleasure and presence, and so it is safe for you to have the humility to do what you need to do in order to give that gift to your kids. I could say so much more on this topic. Um, and so I, I do wanna encourage you to come tune into our Tuesday Live or we'll just continue. And if you have questions, submit them on Slido. But parents, we are praying for you. And let's, as a church, let's encourage one another. Let's help each other. Let's commit to one another to give our kids this gift. Let me pray for us. God, I'm feeling this temptation to keep going and going and going, but Lord, I just, I want what we have said today. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would take it and would begin to sink into our hearts a joy and a security about the fact that, that when you look upon us, you smile. You have purchased us for yourself, through your son, Jesus. Your love for us is not dependent on our performance or our behavior. And and God, I pray that our security and our joy in that would grow so much that it would overflow into giving this gift to our kids. That our kids would know that in their house, love and pleasure, it's not dependent on their performance
1: or behavior. And they would see...